Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. One thing we do know is that the Hornets were in the news uh, quite a bit the last couple of days, Willie P. We have Miles Bridges for one year, but LaMelo Ball on the rookie max. But there's other stuff going on, too, with P.J. Washington, Dennis Smith Jr., and potentially Charlotte T. and Grant Williams rumored to the Hornets. So a lot to unpack here in our, in our Hornets roundup segment. Yeah, if you want to go chronologically, the first news we got was the LaMelo Ball's Supermax deal being signed, a rookie max deal, I should say, five years, up to $260 million. There's not real controversy around that. Face the franchise. He's going to be here for a while, provided that the Hornets do right by him to try and build a team around him. Now, part of doing that is trying to figure out what's next from a running mate standpoint. They did bring in Brandon Miller from the rookie standpoint. And the Miles Bridges conversation, we've had it a lot over the course of this morning, but now we kind of get to the other side of it. Like, they did sign him for, as you mentioned, Bone, if you're going to bring him back, it's the right kind of business to bring him back on a one-year prove-it-style deal. It is the qualifying offer uh, amount of $7.9 million. As a result of signing that qualifying offer, by the way, Miles Bridges does get a full no-trade clause for the one year that he is under contract for the Hornets and next year becomes an unrestricted free agent. So it amounts to basically a prove-it deal for him. However... There is still that concern from folks about, number one, having off-the-court concerns, and number two, just the overall vibe of what bringing him back means and what the Hornets, quote-unquote, stand for. Because a lot of fans, and we'll hear from you guys coming up uh, on the phones in about 50 minutes, we'll open up the phone lines. I have a feeling that people are not going to be happy about this if you're no, a Hornets fan. There's, there's been some reaction from fans as expected. And there, it, is, it is a little mixed here. There are some that say... Uh, as long as he's here, they're they're going to root. There are some that are that are out now. Are they really out? Don't know, but the only time will tell on that. It's clear that Miles didn't want to be a restricted free agent. The news came out on Friday, right before free agent frenzy started, that um, Miles Bridges and his agency were you know wanting the Hornets to remove the qualifying offer. Him being a restricted free agent, restricted can be tough anyway. The gamesmanship that's played, the matching that goes on. But there was no one that was going to sign him to a sheet right now. Mm. So he wanted to, besides the the Hornets, of course, signing him. So he wants to go next year after a one-year prove-it deal as an unrestricted free agent. And it's telling of what the market is, Willie P, because there are years where there are loaded classes of free agents where it's just, all-star after all-star or young play, whatever. This is not a loaded up free agent class. Mm-hmm. Miles Bridges is one of the younger, more productive guys in this class. There's a lot of guys that are getting older, end of the line, unproven guys. As a basketball player, Miles proven. His age is only 25. I think under normal circumstances, unrestricted free agent this year, Miles Bridges is one of the, the gems of this class, but it's telling that he signed so quickly also. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a market out there for him, and they knew that on Friday before it started. And, and again, 
we can argue about whether or not you want him here until the cows come home. I kind of had the wherewithal to basically think like this was going to happen. I'm not going to sit here and say that I've quote unquote made my peace on it like I did with Brandon Miller, but it's a much different scenario now knowing that it's going to happen. And the one thing that I said to you earlier in the show is that they always talked about Miles like he was still part of the team. Always. Like that was that was always something that was consistent out of Mitch Kupchak. And so that's why I think you and I both, and you and I are probably closer to it than most are because of our involvement with the Hornets. We probably felt like he was going to be more of a part of their future than maybe most people did just because of the fact that he was always talked about in the present tense. He was never talked about as somebody who was never with the Hornets when it came to Mitch Kupchak and the way that he talked about that from a business standpoint. And the elephant in the room about all this is the relationship between LaMelo Ball mm-hmm. to Melo and Bridges. Biles so actually that, tweeted out after the, yeah. uh, the the Melo Ball signing, and he said, you know, congratulations, yeah, brother. So and he had the, the crossed fingers emojis three times. Trying so. to keep your franchise player happy. I, that There's no doubt that with Melo, that, that, that played into this. The other angle here is, so Miles is in the fold, but not – for an expensive deal, but still in terms of the roster and, and not the for, and not for long term, but either. he's yeah, for not, but for this particular season, he's a starter. He he's in there, uh, at a four forward spot. Mm-hmm. They were also linked yesterday to restricted free agent, Grant Williams, mm-hmm. charlatan. Would he accept less than the full mid level? We don't know exactly what he'd be thinking there. They've also been thought to have, you know, aspirations to bring back PJ Washington. So yesterday it was trying to figure out, okay, are they going to bring back Miles, PJ, and attempt to sign Grant Williams? Roster-wise, that doesn't seem that that creates a log mm-hmm. jam because is Grant Williams going to sign to go play on the bench? How does PJ view himself? You can't play all those guys at once. Right. So my th- my take is now Miles is in. Does it now come down to either they sign Grant Williams to an offer sheet that Boston probably doesn't match? Or do they bring PJ in on a deal similar to what Hachimura got from the Lakers in the three-year, $50 million range, which is maybe where he's at? It depends on what you feel like PJ is going to be because I think we all believe that by, I would say, midseason, Brandon Miller is starting at the three over Gordon Hayward. If everything goes according to the I way it's supposed it to be, I don't think it starts the year that way because I think Cliff's going to gravitate towards the vets. That yeah, that's know, why I said by midseason. Yeah, defensively, it's going to be if he if he picks up defense right away. Yes. he could. But there's also the thought that you know Brandon Miller can be your future two guard as well True. As, a, as a big two. What that's a pretty it, big as long two. as Rogier's there, right? That's not going to be a thing right now. But he he can he can play a big two. He. He can play that wing spot like that in that area. And and the and the issue now is, okay, what do you do it for? Do you go with PJ again and run it back with him? Or do you go with a guy like Brent Williams and you have that, him and Miles basically both playing the four, one starting, one off the bench, and then you have Marcus, your five. It is a scenario with Grant where I feel like he probably brings you a little bit more from the off-the-court standpoint positively than what you get out of PJ Washington. And I feel like the... Uh, the on-court productivity between the two of those guys is pretty similar, if not identical. Uh, Grant Williams, 6'6", 236. We know that he's sort of in that that P.J. Tucker mold, right? Mm-hmm. Where he's not, he can play the four, but he's not a he's not a big four. Right. But remember... Neither is Miles, for that matter. No, you're right. But he, he, I don't know if you bring back P.J. inside him. I don't, I don't think that's going to work. Also, we have to go back to the words that Mitch used at one of his pressers. 
about leadership. And I, I think that as far as players, Grant Williams and PJ, they're, they're not they're not that far off from one another in no. terms of their production and what Grant Williams can can be. But I wonder if there's a leadership component there for Grant Williams. He's only 24 years old, but he's in the basket. He's one of the leaders of the league in terms of uh, CBA and, and NBA PA. He's already got that down. He's a wonderful person. Mm-hmm. I wonder if bringing him back home, I, I wonder if there's a leadership angle there that they would value maybe a little more than PJ in terms of offensive productivity. Now, here's the thing. As a offensive point-per-game guy, PJ's coming off of what was one of his best career years. But part of the reason he had such a big, big year last year is because he was actually called upon to do a lot more offensively because of all the injuries the Hornets had. No, he, he had a good year, but it's it's consistency. And, and I think that if PJ's your stretch four, the rebounding thing's always bothered me. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, he's not a big dude either. He, he's six, seven. He doesn't rebound and play with the necessary physicality at times. And right. that's always been sort of there's no doubt that he can have huge games and show you something, but consistent physicality, rebounding, yeah. finishing at the rim, playing hard with the contact at the back. That's as and a four, he's more of your stretch guy. He's not he's not that in the paint guy and, that 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 they kind of need. And Jack is already putting out a lot of the things that we're saying right now, saying, Oh, well, PJ averages twelve points per game and Williams averages five. I, again, I don't think we're looking at it from an offensive standpoint. We're looking at this more from a again, tenacity standpoint. What's one of the things the Hornets haven't they, had a lot of? They, they haven't had a lot of defense, especially up front, other than Mark Williams last year near the end as he was starting to try to pick things up. They need somebody who can be that accountability guy both on the floor and in the locker room. They do not have that guy on this roster and when you have a roster that's going to have a lot of guys who have or not a lot of guys but have a couple of guys two or three of them that have had some off the court issues i feel like you need somebody to be a calming presence in that locker room but also a fear presence in that locker room from an accountability standpoint and grant brings you both those things intangibles yes it's not all about the numbers yeah he averaged eight last year shot 40 percent from three last year mm-hmm. stretch it out not a lot of but again his role in boston was a little bit different here right and to me he's only playing 25 minutes a game if it's just yes if it's just about the numbers well that's going to side towards pj for the most part but sure. there's also an experience there at 24 he's playing in some huge games for boston yeah, we said they need to add some vets here in that 30, 35 range of guys that have just can help this team get better and older. But I think he's an old 24. Mm-hmm. And I think that what he lacks maybe in points per game and rebounds and all that, there's a trust factor there, too. He also played 79 games last year. He played 77 games a year before. There's a consistency there with who he is that I think would really help this friend. Now, now again... Boston may not bring him back, so they could sign him, and Boston may not match anything mm-hmm. for Grant Williams. I just, I, I like what he provides, even just outside the numbers. And He's not, not a great rebounder, but here's the thing: the numbers are very similar. And if you look at his shooting efficiency, three point percentage is I the mean, best. Just uh, head and shoulders above PJ in mm-hmm. from beyond the arc. We're talking about them needing guys that can shoot the basketball that Melo can distribute to. Plus, seems you, like. This makes more sense. And even and even so, and this is something that I just kind of thought of just spitballing it, but you could probably play him and Kai on the floor at the same time, no? Uh yeah, I mean if Kai Jones I mean we I mean the thing with Book Knight and Kai Jones is that we just don't know. We we have no idea. I mean, yeah, there uh, last year Kai Jones was the great unknown, that's what right. I said. And still I mean, you know, if they're if they're bringing back Kai Jones is a is a four, right? right? It's not a five. Right. So if they're trying to bring back PJ, they're trying to possibly offer 
Grant Williams mean it's, it's one of the others where does Kai Jones fit into this and Bugnight and Kai Jones to me I don't really factor them in right now as rotation pieces also mm-hmm. as far as the guys playing up front more of a wing but Cody Martin's also going to be healthy next year That's he true. factors into that Brandon Miller wing Hayward yeah. Hayward uh, area there. Not this, Haywood. That's a guy that played for UNC. But this, Gordon this, Hayward. I don't see him enough to know his last name. No, Gordon Hayward, Cody Martin, Brandon Miller. Cody Martin's going to get some minutes too under Cliff's system. Here's the thing. For the first time, we're looking at this situation and you say the roster's got a little bit of a clog in it right now. It's a matter of whether or not you got to figure out, okay, who goes where, who's expendable, because I feel like there's probably another move or something happening here from a trade standpoint where the Hornets maybe have to unload some guys, maybe get something back potentially. They have a lot of guys that can be similar or are similar, but yet they don't have a, what I would consider a trusted backup point guard. No, because Dennis Smith jr. Goes to Brooklyn on a very small deal. What? Two and a half million dollars. It didn't feel like he was ever in their cards for whatever reason. Wouldn't shock me if book Knight is packaged with somebody else off that bench that can, turn into something of a backup point guard for the Hornets. It could be Kai Jones. Could be, yeah. Because uh, Teo Maladone, I think, has got upside, but well, Melo hasn't stayed on the court for full seasons. And mm-hmm. do you want Teo as the first guy up as the backup? I guess Rogier could be that guy, too. They, but Nick, They Nick, hold Nick, Nick Smith Jr., I think, in very high regard. They do. Came out of high school, number three overall player. I think they believe in that building that he was a lottery guy right. that fell to them. And if he doesn't get injured last year, this dude was probably going to be. You, you but said a, but earlier. He's a, but, he's a, but he's a combo guy. He's more of a two, no? No. no, 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 Nick Smith. I'm oh, saying. Nick Smith. No, nah, I mean, he's, you can play it like he's a bigger Rogier. He can kind of do he can kind of do both. He's a physically yeah. aggressive guy. Yeah, which um, I think they could live with as their backup point guard. I, I really think that's probably how they look. They, at may, it. they may think that Teo's the guy early and then Nick Smith develops. He takes that spot. We'll see. Yeah. There's another heaping helping of instant replay coming up next on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Instant replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. We have some Charlotte Hornets free agency updates for you. Nothing yet, I should say, on P.J. Washington. Still don't know if Grant Williams is going to be a Charlotte Hornet or not. But we do know that they're still working on negotiations, restricted free agency with P.J. and with Grant Williams. I don't know how much money P.J. Washington is going to get. There's been a lot of money flying about already. Fred Van Vliet, goodness (laughs) gracious, 40 mil a year. It's way more than I thought it was going to be over 30 a year. And that was going to be a lot 40. You got a grown up. 
guy that's tough as hell in the backcourt with Houston. They need grownups on that roster. They got Dylan Brooks for $20 million a season. Even with the whole he's going to be playing in China next year, being overblown, that was never going to happen. I still didn't think he was going to get $20 million a year. But hey, all NBA potential, all NBA defensive potential. That's what I should say. Very big difference. What did you make of Dylan Brooks landing in Houston? I think it's fine. $20 million is a lot. That's what I'm saying. Like it, He is an all-defensive type of guy. He could be one of those players next year. $20 million is a lot. But Houston was basically in, let's get some adults in the room mode. Let's go get Fred Van Vliet, undrafted, key member of a Toronto Raptors NBA championship team, very good defensively at the point of attack, and also a good shooter. Let's go get the mature guy and bring him in with the Jalen Green, Alperin Shangoon, all the young guys we have on the roster. Same thing with Dylan Brooks. Let's just go get an agitator. I don't know how mature Dylan Brooks is, but let's at least go get an agitator. And so that's what Houston has done. I, I, I understand it. Now, Houston, San Antonio, those are still some teams that could bring on a P.J. Washington. I think right now, I could be wrong on this, but I think Houston still has about $15 million in cap space. Seems a little too low for P.J. to agree to that kind of deal. And if he would, he'd probably just come back to Charlotte if it's going to come around 15, because I, I think the Hornets would be willing to give P.J. Washington that type of contract. But we don't have that deal done yet. I know you are not a big fan of bringing back P.J. Is there a number... I mean, at $15 million, are you okay with that? What's the big distinction, even with you not being a PJ fan? What is the number you would let him walk at? Um, that I would let him walk at? So, I, I, how much does Miles Bridges coming back for 7.9 impact this? Because you got to spend money. Well, it allows you to go to Grant Williams and PJ. Because it never made a ton of sense if you thought Miles was going to come back on at least a $15 million annual deal. But now that he's coming back on the qualifying offer, which is right at $8 million, then it allows you to maybe use your full level, your full mid-level exception on Grant, which is 12.4. And it allows you to bring back PJ and, and they're still operating over the cap, but there's a cap hold on PJ right now. So that just changes once this new contract comes his way, if it still comes his way. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I've i kind of said all along, like, I think the first time we argued about PJ, I was like, he's a $12 million a year player. And you look at the NBA, the money that gets spent in the NBA, I, I think, you know, like four years, $60 million, I'd be comfortable with. Maybe the max is 72. Maybe the max is $18 million a year just because, you know, he's a, he's as, as inconsistent a player that, that we watch on a night in, night out basis. But when you look at the money Tobias Harris may is going set to make this upcoming year, $39 million. And of course he played with three other 20 point per game scores, but PJ still averaged more points per game than he did. Um, so he's going to be in somewhat of a demand of a larger contract. I just like, if, if this guy wants 20 million, I don't know if I want to pay PJ Washington, $20 million to disappear for stretches at a time throughout the year. Grant Williams could possibly come back and he would be coming back home, played high school. I believe at Providence day is where Grant Williams played. And he had an interesting story because I had no clue how much he was going to make following that finals appearance, had some big moments, thought he was going to be making a lot of money. Joe Mazzula comes in as the head coach. Ime Udoka, now coaching the Houston Rockets, Ime really liked using Grant Williams. Mazzula had a couple of DNPCDs heading Grant Williams' way until the middle of the Miami Heat series where they were down 3 nothing. He uses Grant. 
And Grant Williams actually plays pretty damn well and resurrects some value. And so now that you had that late push against the Miami Heat, I think you're probably not talking about much more, if any more, than the 12.4 that you could give him full extent, mid-level exception. But Grant Williams, P.J. Washington, let's assume they come back, right? All right, so let's let's say P.J. and Grant. You have Miles Bridges. You have Gordon Hayward. That's a pretty damn crowded front court, especially if you if you view Brandon Miller more as a small forward. There's five guys that could play small forward and power forward with PJ too, but there's five of them. Lamelo Ball, Terry Rozier. So that's a seven man rotation that you're talking about right now. Who knows about Cody Martin? How available is he going to be? You're also trying to create some room for. Bryce McGowan's, who showed you some nice signs. JT Thor. Okay, now we're at 10. I didn't bring up Mark Williams, your immediate starting center. So that's 11. Nick Richards just signed a $5 million a year contract. He's a backup guy, but he's going to get minutes. So there are going to be players that are on the outside looking in. No one's going to run a 12-man rotation. So if you have nine, then there are going to be some players you might have liked last year. It's a decent problem to have. But also, it makes me believe, all right, you might just be trading Gordon Hayward. Even if he's a valuable asset, I wonder how much teams are willing to uh, trade in order to get $30 million in free space next year and someone that can help you if he's healthy. So that'll be interesting to see what happens with Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier. Do you like the idea of, yeah, it's a crowded front court, but at least there are there's certainly some depth within that front court if they bring Grant Williams in. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't hate it because, I mean, I watched Grant Williams at Tennessee be a nice player. I think he was very important to Boston the year they made the run to the NBA Finals, as you just alluded to. Helped them get back in the series with Miami this past year in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, I think he brings a level of toughness that, that I, I'd like to see this team kind of embark on and, and, and kind of have. I think he would be a good Clifford guy um, that, that you'd be adding to the roster from the outside and not one that would already exist. So um, and, and you, you would think at some point Hayward's going to get moved. I think the I think the question is, is when do you do it now or do you wait until the season? But I don't but I, I don't think that uh, the thing is. So you think he plays out his entire contract year and just walks? He's got one year. That that's a good thing though that he walks. But I mean, if you can get assets for him, like wasn't the whole part of giving him the contract was that it would be deemed a tradable asset down the road? Sure, if you can get assets for him, then great. But if you can't, that's still a favorable situation because it's still going to be pretty hard to figure out a trade, especially with you having to match the salary. So the idea, the way that Gordon Hayward's contract would be valuable is you're going to bring him in. He's going to be a contender for this season. I don't know what team is looking to move on to the next round, whatever, right? However, you know, whatever they deem a successful season, making the conference finals, just winning a playoff series for some of these younger teams, whatever. Okay. Well, let's just look at the teams that maybe had underwhelming postseasons. Um, Cleveland they didn't, didn't advance in the postseason. I mean, Jarrett, so you could match salaries there by Memphis. trading Jarrett Allen, maybe Karis LeVert after you just signed him in free agency. You know, that would be something a little interesting, but you don't want to have a log jam at center because you have Mark Williams already here. We want to create more opportunity for him. So there are ways that you could, I guess, match that salary, but yeah, it'd be a little bit more tough. For them. Yeah, I mean, like maybe Memphis as a, as a guy that can connect things because you don't know if 
You don't know if John Morant's going to be on the court or not, given his his off-the-court issue. Maybe a team like Sacramento that's been very aggressive this offseason looking to get better and build off their third-place finish last year. Maybe at the West, or maybe at the trade deadline they're looking to add because they know in three months he goes off the books. Like, I'm not saying it's it would possible. be – It's possible. I'm not saying it would be front office malpractice if he just played out the entire contract and left. But I think Hornets fans would be pretty ticked off that we gave him this money – then we wait for him to become a tradable asset after he was rumored two trade deadlines ago about maybe being moved, and then he just leaves and we get nothing in return for him? Well, I mean, but it's but it's it's fine for $30 million to be cleared off the, the cap because if you trade for him and you have to match salaries, there's a great chance of the salary coming back being extended in the future years. And so if you trade him and then you get back money in return, and maybe you like those players, great. But if you don't love them and these guys are on, you know, contracts that are going to eat up cap space for the next two years, rather than just creating 30 million, $30 in salary, um, $30 million in salary this offseason, then you might as well just keep them and let them walk. That's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Like, this is the same thing, in my opinion, that led to the Hornets waving and using their stretch provision on Nick Batum, which, by the way, is officially off of the books after three years. It was the longest I think it was the most amount of money spent on a wave and stretch provision in NBA history. It was an awful decision paying nine, $10 million a year to somebody that was not on your team. You could do that with Gordon. Like people have thrown that out there. You talk about mad. <laughs> if they use the wave and stretch provision on Gordon Hayward, I'm going to be furious because we just got out of the, out of the woods with Nick Batum just let Gordon Hayward play the extent or trade him if there's something valuable enough. Either way, this is not some awful situation anymore. If we were talking about this two years ago and Gordon couldn't stay healthy and you still had three more years on the horizon, then yeah, you're trying to trade it as much as you possibly can. And I don't know what you'd be able to get. But now, if it's valuable for another team, it's kind of valuable for us. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked because Instant Replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. Uh, Shane Van Gensberg. Bergen, Shane Van Gensbergen, sorry. The New Zealander, the Kiwi, won the first ever NASCAR street race in Chicago yesterday. Uh, got started 15 minutes uh, before they were actually going to call the race, reportedly. Shane Van Gensbergen, Gensbergen, I'll get it right at some point. Uh, first driver in 60 years 
to win his NASCAR debut. The last to do it, as we all know, of course, was Johnny Rutherford in 1963. Everybody knows that. Yeah, it was the Daytona 500. See, there you go. He, and uh, Van Ginsbergen, just the seventh driver in NASCAR history to win his first start. Really good couple of weeks for Trackhouse uh, Racing. Owner Justin Marks, they won at Nashville last weekend. Uh, where he lives, and then this week with that Project 91 entry for Shane Van Gensbergen, which I'll let Smoke explain, um, they, they went back-to-back, -back, and his effort to recruit international drivers just keeps looking better and better. Yeah, first off, they started this last year with uh, Kimi Raikkonen, the Iceman, former F1 champion. Uh, he's done two races in Project 91, and then they had uh, Van Gensbergen here this weekend. It started off really well because, Kyle, he uh, was third fastest in qualifying, so people are like, oh, he put a hot lap down, but we've seen... We've seen road ringers put hot laps down before. They don't really do well in the race. Uh, Kyle, he was one of the fastest cars throughout the race. Yep. And then he, you know, once the late restart happened, you know, he had to go from the middle of the pack to take the lead, and he did that. And the only thing that made the margin of victory so small was because cautions kept on happening. He would have blitzed the field if they sta stayed under green. Th that's what we call an old-school ass-kicking. By the way, first time we've seen a road course rear win in 50 years. You have to go all the way back to 1973 Riverside to see the last time a road course ringer has won a race. So a lot of history broken. By the way, all those numbers you mentioned, the first time in the modern era of NASCAR that a driver in their first ever Cup Series race has won a race. And it was his first race in NASCAR period. So it's hard to put into words how incredible of a feat that is oh yeah uh, drive supercars over in australia which again we'll talk about in just a bit because smoke's actually seen it of course he has right um it, it's th those cars are very similar to the next gen cars these guys have been driving now for, for going on two years yeah i don't watch it religiously or anything i catch some highlights sometimes those cars can take a beating and they get provide some good side-by-side -side racing like we a lot of what we see in the stock cars and now with this new car i think they're more similar to the supercars but also you know there's still a drastic difference like for example he, he drives on the right side in the supercars. He drives on the left side here in NASCAR. Oh, that's that, You know what? I, I don't want to oversell it, but like that seems like it'd be so much more difficult to deal with than people realize at those at those speeds. Oh, that's ridiculous. Look, guys who can drive can drive. He'll adjust. I get that, yeah. but still, that's that's incredible. Well, limited practice time too. Yep. Only twenty minutes of practice. By the way, all your NASCAR coverage on Sports Radio ninety two seven WFNZ is brought to you by Dale Earnhardt Chevrolet. They're located on Highway sixteen in Newton, or check them out online at EarnhardtChevy.com. Uh, let's bring in Josh Sims, NASCAR on Fox, Fox Sports pit reporter, and a damn good one. Formerly Fox forty six here in Charlotte, he's back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Josh Sims, happy early Fourth of July, brother. How are you? Right back at you, man. I'm doing well. How you doing? I'm doing well. Doing well. It's good to have you. Um, real quick, free agency, 76ers. Uh, how how you feeling about what they have and really have not done? <laughs> you like to jump right into it, don't you? Well, let's just get it out of the way. I'm trying to do you a favor. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I just keep telling people the James Harden thing just looms over everything, so it's really hard to tell <laughs> what they're going to look like because they got to... Uh, apparently they have to trade the guy who wants to get traded every every couple months. So um, it's hard to say. I, I don't know what the Sixers are going to look like when all is said and done. Obviously, I'd love them to get Dame. Dame wants to go to Miami. Um, Harden wants out, but I don't know if there's a good deal for him. And Maury has shown that he's got to be patient. So he'll wait as long as possible to get the deal he wants. I, I guess I trust him. His love for Harden still annoys me, but... You know, they got to rework their roster. They got to figure something out because it's only a matter of time before Embiid walks out because 
you know, that's the way things go in Philly. So that, that's how I feel right now. You know, I'm, I'm a little down in the dumps. You know, it's hard because, like, you're the only person I won't make process jokes with because I like you and I care about your feelings. So anybody else, I make ruthless jokes about the process, but I can never bring myself to do it to you because you're just too nice a guy. You understand that, right? Yeah, I, I appreciate you, man. You know, and you give me the, the, the alleyway to be able to vent about the Sixers. So you just let me get it all out there, you know, and I, yeah. and I appreciate that because it's a lot to get out with that team. I know, I know. Play, look, letting letting James Harden walk if Maxie's going to be the replacement, that, that's fine. That It'll be okay. Um, <laughs> real quick, help, help me out with the folks out there that might still, for some reason, be doubters. Um, to me, LaMelo Ball signing him up to a five-year, $260 million rookie max extension is a no-brainer, yes? Yeah, I mean, it's look, it's Charlotte. It's been hard to attract free agents. It's hard. It's been hard in the draft to actually draft a guy that you believe in and a guy that could be a cornerstone of a franchise. Lamelo is that guy. Obviously, you want him to stay healthy, and you know he'll have to figure out something with the ankles and, and just something to try and keep himself healthy so he's on the court because obviously that's when he's most valuable. But when you have a guy like that, you take care of that guy. You don't let him walk. You don't let him get to free agency and, and go to L.A. or one of these bigger markets. He's a guy you build around. He's a guy that can run your offense. He's shown flashes of brilliance, and he's still got a lot to work on, but he's young. You know, you want to build around that guy. So, yeah, the, the the deal makes perfect sense to me. You don't want to let that guy get free agency or get out of town. All right, last thing real quick. I mean, the, you're on the NASCAR beat now, but you're still in town. Uh, you still love the NBA. Brandon Miller, number two overall. What does that do for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I was very torn on that decision to draft him just because I felt like Scoot was instant box office, you know? The only thing I didn't like about Scoot was his size. You know, 6'2", and I don't like a backcourt of LaMelo and Scoot uh, just because defensively I felt like they'd get, they'd get eaten alive. Brandon Miller, I don't know if he has the better upside, but he, he checks a lot of boxes in terms of fit. And I know this team for a while said we don't draft for fit. You know, we draft best player available, which you then say Scoot. But I, I think with Brandon Miller you have a chance to get a really dynamic score a guy that really wants to be good. I mean, he, he looks up to Paul George, who's a really good guy to be, you know, a guy you want to model your game after. I don't know if he has that dog, that it factor, but there are a lot of guys that are successful that aren't necessarily dogs. He doesn't have to be that. Um, so I am reserving judgment until I see what he looks like. And you may not see that this year. You may not see that in the summer league. I feel like he might be a guy that you might have to be a little more patient with. Whereas I think a lot of people are going to see Scoot making all the plays and his, his videos are going to be on Instagram left and right and people are going to have quote-unquote buyer's remorse. But just be patient. Paul George wasn't what he was right away and Brandon Miller might not be either. So, you know, let it play out. Still so bizarre to be juxtaposing Paul George to Brandon Miller half the time it gets brought up. It's, it's something else. Uh, it's his goat, man. It's, the goat, it's his right? goat. It's his goat. We all get our own personal goats. We all get it now. Uh, Josh Sims with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. A Kiwi not only won the first ever NASCAR-sanctioned street race in Chicago, but was the first driver to, to win his debut in 60 years. Seventh all-time to ever do it, Shane Van Gensbergen. Talk to me about what happened this weekend, and not just from his perspective, but a very historic weekend for NASCAR. Yeah, man, it was, uh, I think it was a success. I mean, people keep asking, like, was this race weekend in Chicago a success? I think despite the weather, which put a little bit of a damper on it, and I'm sure, you know, the fans that wanted to be out there all day on Sunday and tailgate and just enjoy the, 
the race weekend. You know, that hurt it a little bit, but I still think, you know, from a racing standpoint, we had what we wanted to see, intense racing, fun racing, a battle for the lead at the end, you know, a story of a, a guy winning and Shane that did something that, like you mentioned, hasn't been done in 60 years in NASCAR. Um, I thought all of that was awesome. I thought you heard a lot of the drivers afterwards saying they want to come back to Chicago, and that's what you want. You want the fans to enjoy it, which it sounds like it was. I think the TV product was really good, and I think the drivers enjoyed it. Of course, there's going to be the naysayers and the drivers that will be like, eh, I want to know part of that. It, it was a mess. I didn't like it. But I think for the most part, you heard a lot of drivers saying they enjoyed it, they had fun, and they want to go back to Chicago. And I think all those checking the box there makes that a success. How about the last couple of weeks for Justin Marks and Trackhouse Racing and his Project 91 campaign? I mean, this guy is just doing incredible things in NASCAR. And you know, I was watching one of his post-race interviews, and he's talking about, hey, he's just a racer that had a dream, you know? And for him to not only turn Trackhouse into what they are this early into that organization, but to have the idea for Project 91 and to, to undergo everything that was going to entail in terms of, getting international drivers to be a part of that and just starting that and already you get a win, you know, like that's, that's incredible. I mean, there's a lot of guys you can put behind the wheel and he goes out and finds the right people to race um, in his cars. You know, they've built a lot, you know, they're becoming a big name, not just in the States, but internationally now. And, you know, it's, it's incredible to see what he's built in such a short amount of time. And I can only imagine what that team is going to look like a couple of years from now, because he's really building a powerhouse that's going to be able to, you know, rival some of the biggest teams in the sport. Absolutely. Josh Sims, Fox Sports, NASCAR on Fox. He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Now, just real quick before I let you go, Atlanta coming up on Sunday. Your, your quick thoughts on what's at stake in this race and who might need to win it most. Yeah, man, this is a big one. You know, this is one of those opportunity races we look at just because of the repave at Atlanta. It's turned into sort of like, you know, super speedway racing where we see the pack racing, and a lot of your restrictor plate guys, you know, that are that are good at Daytona, that are good at Talladega, are going to be good in Atlanta. And you look at guys that don't have a shot to win on some of the ovals and the road courses, you know, this is a big shot for them. You look at guys like Michael McDowell, guys like Bubba Wallace, Corey LaJoy, some of the guys like that. Look at this as a big chance for that. Or just anybody that, you know, struggles week to week that sees this as a big opportunity. They're going to be really going for it at Atlanta uh, with the playoffs right around the corner so i think this is going to be a fun race a good race it's exciting you know when we see it on tv it's exciting in person so you know get ready for another good one this weekend for sure josh sims you're good at what you do we always appreciate your time buddy happy fourth we'll talk to you soon right back at you bro i'll talk to you soon you tuned into instant replay when the audio was so good it has to be heard again Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan.